Kia ora and welcome to Discipleship Aotearoa. In this podcast you will hear about, well, uh, discipleship in Aotearoa. You'll hear from me, Caleb, your host, as well as friends that are passionate about Jesus and discipleship. So pick up a paddle and jump in the waka with us. We'll learn some tools, resources and perspectives that will inform, inspire and maybe even irk you as you live out your walk with Jesus. Kia and welcome to the podcast. We have a special guest uh, of mine again here today. Uh, we are going to be talking about uh, being a strengths-based disciple. And uh, I'm so excited because I get to bring in um, a mate of mine, someone that I grew up with um, in self Uh We grew up Eesh. in church together and uh, I, I consider this person one of my older brothers um, in the faith and, and is the godfather to my, my um, oldest child actually. And uh, so his name is Wilson Chan. Uh, you might have heard of him. He has uh, trained and taught as a youth worker, many other things. I know he makes a good coffee and is currently trained to be um, a priest in the Māori tikanga, in the Anglican uh, hahi, uh, as a uh, te hahi mihinare. And so uh, what I love about uh, Wilson, my guest, I'll let, you, let him talk soon, um, is that uh, out of all the people I know, he's one of the most uh, willing to say the thing that other people don't want to hear. Uh, he's quite prophetic. And so um, I'm very excited to have him here today. And so that's how I know this person. I'll hand over, give the rugby pass to him now. Wilson, intro us yourself, life. Oh, tēnā koe te tai tokarau. E te uri o kupe. E te tōkana. Thanks, Caleb, for the introduction. Um, yeah, inga mana, inga reo, inga waka, inga fano to our listeners. Uh, kia ora koutou, taikaho. Um, yeah, mm. that's a beautiful introduction. But a bit more of a backstory about me is that I'm Cantonese and Hokkien descent. Mm. Um, and after the first opium war, my ancestors they made an exodus to survive from a war, um, ravaged um, from poverty. Um, like China was just destroyed, um, and they ran as far as they could, got to Malaysia so that their descendants could um, thrive. And when the Immigration Act changed in Aotearoa in, in 1987, uh, my parents um, immigrated from Malaysia to New Zealand, um, carrying the same dream so that their mm-hmm. children and grandchildren would not just survive, but thrive. Um, yeah. They settled in South Auckland, um, mm-hmm. out in Ōtara, uh, mm-hmm. where I was born and raised. Um, I'm born in the year of the horse. Um, yeah, so I'm part of what people call the Chinese diaspora. I'm mm. married to Esther, a beautiful Pakia woman of Polish, Dutch and English descent. And we have a little boy, um, he's one, called Malachi. Uh, we're both currently at St. John's, as um, Caleb said. Uh, we're training for ordination with Te Hahi Mihinare, Te Hahi o Ngahahi, <laughs> uh, which is also known as the Māori Tikanga Anglican Church under Te Tā Tokere. Um Yeah, uh, Nōku Te Waimari, I'm so blessed to be on this podcast um, you could have chosen anyone else to talk about this kaupapa of discipleship and strengths and how they intersect. Um, they're probably way better strength finders coaches than me um, and probably way better people um, at discipleship compared to me. So I'm humbled to be in this conversation with you, bro. No worries, mate. Hey, the, the kumara never talks about how sweet it is. 
Um, but Wilson, um, as, as you would have heard as well, I, f- I forgot to mention, Wilson has just done a full year of, uh, uh, of full immersion uh, in Te Reo Māori with his wife and his, his baby. And um, I always laugh, hey, Wilson, um, when, we talk, when we talk about you to other people, uh, people on the podcast might not have realised his uh, ancestry uh, in listening to Wilson talk because I often say he sounds more South Auckland than I do. Um, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, strengths, strengths, Wilson. Um, so we, yeah, so... So Strengths Finder, you've just talked about it, is this uh, this tool, this, it was originally, it's now called, I think, Clifton, Clifton Strengths. Strengths yeah. um, and so do you know what's real funny to me is that um, I meet Christian after Christian and they know what their top five are or they know something about Strengths Finder. So just, just real quick, tell us what is this tool before we launch into this thing? Because it's not all about the tool, but, but it is important just to let people know a little bit about it. Yeah, um, so I guess to my understanding, I think it was Tessa Dodge and Blue Bradley and possibly a few others from, I guess, the YFC background, the Youth for Christ background. Mm. Um, they trained in Clifton Strength Finders, yes. or Clifton Strengths, uh, formerly known as Strength Finders, and started using this tool in New Zealand. And I think that's why um, Clifton Strengths is such a popular and influential tool mm. amongst Christians today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, pretty much Strength Finders, um, I'll call it Strength Finders, because um, that's how I was trained in it yeah, and how I know it. Um, it's basically a personality tool that discovers our strengths. But more importantly, it's a language um, to talk about our strengths, yeah. uh, to understand our strengths, to cultivate our strengths so we can grow into the best versions of ourselves. And sometimes it's actually hard to find words to describe you know, who we are, what we're good at, how we do things, and the internal uh, things working within us. Mm. And I remember as a kid, I've always noticed power dynamics. And when they, whenever like leadership was missing right. or not that strong an environment and um, knowing how to create a gravitas of attention um, to myself in the room and clarify exactly um, why people should do something. Mm. And so when I got coached, um, the strength was called command. And what Clifton Strength does is that it gives us words to describe, you know, what is innate within us yeah. um, and why we do what we do. And I think that's probably the greatest thing about Clifton Strengths, that it's a language where you know, we can use to dialogue about our strengths. Um, mm. Yeah. And, and so, that's thanks, man. That's beautiful. Um, and so, particularly when it comes to being a disciple, what are some of the positives uh, you've seen from uh, using this tool? Um, yeah, and being a disciple of Jesus. Yeah, I guess um, when we talk about strengths, I think the best positive is that it's a language. Um, but also, if, when we go back through our church, Whakapapa, is that um, the early church, they understood that the Holy Spirit was the giver of gifts. Mm. And the early church were really aware of people's gifts. Um, and they had a desire to understand them. So they, de- they developed a language um, to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And it was probably a hot discussion um, of the early church. As St. Paul addresses them in his letters in Romans, Corinthians, and um, the Ephesians ones. Um, however, St. Paul always um, reminds us that our gifts from the Holy Spirit were to serve the church and its mission, yeah. and that gifts without faith, hope, and most importantly, love, these gifts were pointless then. Yeah. And I think St. Peter, you know, he talks about it in his letter as well, about gifts, um, and he reminds those that he's writing to, um, to use them as an act of worship. Right. So I guess my, my prayer is that, you know, when people discover their strengths, especially as Christians, um, to see their strengths as gifts from God, yeah. and to use them to build the church and to participate in its mission. Uh, but, which is basically to see the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Love it. Um, by the way, I'm not saying that there's a Papa connection between 
the gifts of the spirit and strength finders. Mm. But what I'm basically saying is that there's this human recognition of a person's strengths or gifts. And language is beautiful. It allows us to engage, to dialogue, to cultivate our gifts or yeah. strengths. And having a language um, helps us to understand ourselves better and that we can, you know, what we can contribute to building the collective church and participating in its mission that we are on. And language also helps us to understand the personality, strengths or gifts of other people too um, in order to love them more deeply, to have better relationships and to engage in healthy conflict. Um, so I think as disciples, it is important to have a language around strengths or gifts. Mm. And this allows us to understand our own first, mm. um, what, are our, what are our strengths and gifts, and our contribution towards the collective mission. And it allows us to understand and love others better too. It allows reflection, dialogue, feedback, in order to cultivate our own strengths and to be our, um, in our own gifts so that we can be the best version of ourselves. But also as we disciple, to sharpen, to give feedback, and to guide, nurture, and correct other disciples. Um, so as a collective church, we can be the light and salt that Jesus calls us to be. Mm-hmm. And also a final positive is that strengths, um, it's not a Christian tool, um, but it is a language where we can dialogue and connect with others who don't associate with Christianity. Right. And I, see, I think I see those as positives, eh? Yeah. Um, and I just want to finish by saying, like, I want to stress that Clifton strengths... Um, it is a tool in the toolbox for being a disciple, mm. but it's not the only tool. Yeah. Um, however, I guess, you know, this is what this podcast is about. It's exploring all these different tools yeah. um, of following Jesus in Aotearoa. Um, yes, but, bro, what, what do you reckon on that and what else do you see as positives? Yeah, I think, um, so thanks for that, man. Um, I think there's a healthy tension, right, because... With some of these tools, uh, there's the accusation that, oh, isn't that just navel-gazing? Isn't that just, you know, like, that's too egocentric that you're looking at yourself, that, that you know all your, your things. And, and that's, a, that's a legitimate worry. Um, at the same time, we also have this other thinking where um, it's not about me, it's all about God. God does, he's the active agent in all things, and we're the passive kind of just go, go with the flow uh, servants. And I think it holds both of those things in tension to say, actually, God made you a certain way. He's given you these things, but not just for yourself. Because the way that I've seen, um, for example, spiritual gifts be talked about is that um, they are my secret power. Is that my superpower? I'm, a, you know, I'm a Marvel character and, and <laughs> I've got super strength and that's mine. But the funniest thing about um, that is that it's not very biblical because uh, as you were saying it's about f- the betterment of the church and in fact for humanity it's for others it's a collective your individual strength is for the collective good um, it's a gift to be held with your hand open eh, to others mm. and I think that's probably where I've seen a lot of the issues come because I've, I've met people for example who know they're five and they know it and so that's the reason they operate in the world and that's the reason why they've got certain weaknesses and they won't change um, those mm. people often have been coached by people like yourself Wills um, but I have found that yeah there's the um i guess there's this there's this kind of uh you, you get a tool you see it at face value and then you just kind of carry on but you don't live into it and you don't don't appreciate it so i appreciate your positive um kind of viewing there and um i think that yeah all what i've found from it is it's been quite freeing and liberating that's kind of a key theme i think for discipleship and for this tool so i i think um as you said it's not the tool but it's our tool and it's how you use it so could you actually speak a little bit because I have met a lot of people that have done the test or did it 10 years ago um, and then they've just ho-hummed about it. Like, what's the best way to do it, Wills, like when you take it? 
Um, in terms of the test itself? Or? Yeah, like, and then and then how to use it, because it just becomes this kind of, oh, yeah, it's like a star sign. Oh, yeah, I'm this. That's it. Whatever. Yeah, I guess what I'd say is first is um, coaching is so important. However, um, like you talked about the Marvel character, um, the beautiful thing about Marvel is that it shows how teams should work, teams of different right. players. So in a community setting is like, how are you functioning as a team to get the mission done? Are we using people's gifts um, accordingly or are we just neglecting them? Yeah. Um, so that's probably the better yeah. question is like, are we using them in community um, as well? Yes. But in terms of um, our strengths, um, not many people talk about it, but often there's a shadow side. Yeah. And that's where character and maturity come in is like, how do we um, be the best versions of, best versions of ourselves? Mm. So for example, mm. um, since I've got the strength of command it doesn't mean that every room i need to draw attention in gotcha um however when there is power when there's leadership there i'll enable that leadership to thrive that's what it looks like at its best um however when it's a moment of crisis where people need to step up i will step up gotcha um yeah so it's learning when to use the tool so i like what you talked there about character because it's with the character that comes the humility to know uh, when to apply yourself in that way, eh? So not to overdo it, overstep your mark, but not to, I guess, be scared of the, the thing that you have. Because I know so many people that have done the test and go, oh, I love these four and I hate this fifth one that I have. Mm. Which I'm kind of like, it's like looking in the mirror, eh, and pointing out a bit of you that you don't like. I'm like, I don't know if, what God thinks about that. I'm not too sure he's happy with that. Um, so on that, um, one thing that I love about a strength-based approach to life is the counter-narrative to deficiency thinking. Um, we see it in our school systems where we try to fix the things we suck at and not maximize the things we're good at. Um, for example, um, when I was in high school, I was really good at, um, I was good at, uh, the entrepreneurial class. I was, uh, I was kind of okay at sport and that. I actually really wanted to get into music and acting and all these things, but I was told real early on, like, you can't study that in university, which is different now, but mm -hmm. that's what I was told. And so I was the, one of the top students in some of these subjects and then I changed, I changed from, for example, entrepreneuring class to business and I absolutely flunked it. Um, I, I changed to accounting because you had to be a good accountant. Absolutely flunked it. And then I spent most of my schooling um, doing stuff I wasn't very good at because I was told that I had to do it. And so that deficiency thinking, I think, is, it was alive and well growing up for me. And I see this in our discipleship and our spirituality. Mm. Where we can negatively self-assess our, ourselves or compare because we don't have typical discipleship strengths. I, I think of mm -hmm. uh, the classic, um, you know, being good at the quiet time, at the prayer, at the, at, and even being good at being in a community. Um, that's kind of, yeah. So, so, so on that, my question is, could you elaborate on that and <laughs> other ways a strengths-based approach can critique our current views of how we do discipleship? Alright bro, nice um, easy one. a lot to elaborate on but I'll do it in three parts. I'll go first, um, counter narrative to deficiency thinking, I'll talk about school systems and then I'll be I'll talk about comparing strengths. Mm. Um, well, um, strength finders, um, strengths is, a, is actually a counter narrative. Um, Clifton Strengths itself is a research company, it's under um, Gallup. Mm. Um, yeah, so often when research companies when they study marriage, um, they often study divorce to research marriage and like, what can we learn in order to stop marriage to head down the path of divorce? Um, so Gallup is one of the few research companies in the world where when they study marriage, 
um, they find and go study great marriages. Right. And they learn, you know, how to have great marriages um, from that way. And I think, you know, there needs to be both forms of research. However, about 85% of research companies tend to study divorce for marriage and only a few um, study great marriages. Um, But like I said, I I think both need to... um, Both both are needed. However, it definitely tips towards the scale, towards, um, yeah, the negative kind of thinking or um, when we study marriage, we study divorce. Um, So, yeah, whereas, you know, Gallup... And Clifton Streams heads towards, you know, like, let's figure out what's great about people. Mm. And when I think of discipleship, um, you know, part of discipleship, it is correction, it is fixing, it is pruning to be a better disciple. Um, But I think that takes a lot of invitation and a deeply invested relationship. Right. In order to do the discipleship part of correction, um, pruning, um, and fixing a disciple, I guess, um, I'd say that, you know, that the church um, generally uh, leans quite heavy on this. Um, and often without deep relationships, which is quite sad. Mm. Um, when, you know, we're often people, they know what Christians, you know, what we hate more than what we're for. Um, what is broken about them, uh, what is sinful about them. Um, while people don't really know what Christians think is beautiful, amazing, um, and courageous about them. Absolutely. Um, and most importantly, that they're made in the image of God. Mm. Often our discipleship, I believe, starts with Genesis 3. Um, with the four and the sin. Um, however, I think discipleship should always start with Genesis 1, um, seeing what is good about this person, um, learning that they are the image of God, that they bear that, um, and discovering the gifts that God has blessed them with, mm-hmm. and that they're called to participate with their gifts um, in the ongoing creation of the world. And often when people leave Christianity, um, they're actually quite wounded, um, lost and broken, and traumatized actually. Um, you know, they're, they're well aware of their Genesis 3 narrative where right. they're wrong, fallen short, um, have sinned. And they're not really aware of their Genesis 1 narrative about what is actually good about them, what is beautiful about them, um, that they bear the image of God and that they have gifts which God has blessed them with and they still have their gifts to offer in the ongoing creation of the world. So imagine if our discipleship started with Genesis 1 instead of 3. Um, mm. That's the first kind of part answer to that yeah um but jumping to school and education systems in Aotearoa you could probably do an episode on this um on peeling back the layers mm. and understanding discipleship in that light I guess um but what, what I would say is that schools um should be a playground not a tightrope and actually most people experience school as a tightrope mm-hmm. and if you fall off um you will fail in life um you lose you only have one chance and your life is over um, whereas I believe school should be more of a playground where you explore the slides, the swings, the monkey bars, the climbing wall, the ladders, the seesaws, etc, etc. And you figure out what you enjoy, um, what you're good at, what actually gives you life, um, and let your imagination run wild. And if you get hurt, you're able to get back up and go play a game. And of course, you know, I'm not advocating for no boundaries, but playgrounds have a physical boundary. Right. Um, school should be a place where children and teenagers explore the curiosities like you did mm-hmm. um, with entrepreneur mm-hmm. and drama mm-hmm. um, and interest to figure out their passions and see what they're good at. Give things a go and actually learn to fail. Learn to fail well, yeah. learn to risk um, and figure out what you actually enjoy doing. But I guess when you're on a tightrope, um, all you're doing is focusing is like to not fall off. And I guess that's how people live life or have lived their school experience. Um, whereas a playground, you know, there's a lot more to learn about yourself, what you're good at, um, 
And, you know, you can tell when you take kids to a playground once they're done with it, they're always telling you about the experience and what they enjoyed. And yeah. did you see that? Did you see me when I did that? Oh, did you see that kid? You know, <laughs> X, Y, Z. Um, and I guess when you leave school, that should be the ideal experience uh, where you can look back and have these great memories. But most importantly, you figured out what you enjoyed, what you were great at, um, what great memories you had. And you learnt, most importantly, like how do you play and get along with others. And I think um, out of these things, this should be the guide for what you pursue. However, like you said, you know, many people don't experience school um, as a playground, but instead a tightrope. Um, yeah, where they don't know what else to do except to walk on a tightrope. Right. Um, so when they go to uni, they don't even know why they're there. Um, or when they finish uni, they work a job that they hate. Mm. Um, and all they're trying to do is not fail in life. Um, I mean, I, I experienced school as a tightrope too. I mean, yeah. I've got Chinese parents, bro. Um, did the Asian five subjects and failed at them, actually. Um, and I'm a theologian now, so pretty cool. <laughs> um, I did the subjects I didn't you know, want to do, and I hated them. And I wagged a lot of classes. That's probably why I failed too. Um, and that's why intermission um, was such a profound year for yeah. me. Where it was a year just to figure out, you know, what is God calling me to do? And what am I actually passionate about? It was a significant year, but you'll probably intro that a bit more. Um, and I don't think we can actually change the school system overnight. But for parents who are listening, um, what you can do is change your attitude for your kids um, by allowing them to experience school, home and life as a playground instead of tightrope. Um, and remember, you know, playgrounds, you know, they have boundaries. So I'm not saying that there are no boundaries. Mm. Often people are like, oh, no boundaries. Mm. Um, but let them try and explore things and discover their curiosities. You know, let them watch the stars at night and the sun rising um, and help them figure out their gifts and their strengths. Um, debrief of them, be like, did you know that you're really good at this? Mm -hmm. um, and for educators and policymakers, you know, listening, um, create a school that's like a playground, not a tightrope. Make learning fun. Learning is so fun. And something to discover about, you know, the human journey in life. That it's not just about subjects, but it's like, how do you build character in mm -hmm. school? Um, and there should be heaps of subjects um, for kids just to give a go. And where failing a subject should not feel like the end of the world. Or failing NCA level one should not feel like the end of the world. <laughs> but an opportunity to reflect and to learn from. You know, subject choice should not be about what society says will earn you good money or a good career. But instead, about following a young person's curiosity and gifts. Mm. Um, so when kids leave, they know what they're great at and what they're passionate about. And for those who actually experience school as a tightrope, you know, there's hope. Um, go experience the world as a playground. Follow your curiosity. Nurture your inner child. Uh, reflect and learn from your experiences on what actually gives you life. You know, ask your family, friends and workmates, mentors about what they think you're good at or better than yeah. most people. Um, and write a list about it. And as a cheat code, um, do strength finders. Figure out your strengths. <laughs> um, however, don't expect instant results. Yeah. Because we should be doing this in our childhood, in our teenage years. And figuring out the stuff, you know. I'm doing my second bachelor's degree at the age of 31. And this is to show that, you know, we as humans, we're capable of learning, mm. uh, relearning and unlearning. And the key thing is that um, you spend most of your life working a job, but you don't want to look back in retirement and actually hate the things that you've done mm. um, and be like, wow, actually my work sucked because you spend about maybe a quarter, third of your life at work. Yeah. And my hope is that church, Bible colleges and youth um, groups, um, and especially Christians and disciples, when... Um, non-Christians encounter us uh, we can be places and peoples where 
wear light playgrounds instead of tight ropes, mm. where people can figure out their calling and discover their gifts and cultivate their strengths to serve God, His world, and His mission. Mm. Um, but yeah, third part um, about the comparing strengths quite negatively and typical discipleship strengths. Um, I guess as humans, um, we often use our strengths as, uh, I guess, what we call a shield and a sword. Um, sometimes we use our strengths as a shield, like, I can't preach or tell a story because I don't have the strength. Um, I don't want to disciple others because I don't have that strength. Um, I can't do admin um, because right. I don't have that strength. Um, we use our strength as a shield, um, as an excuse to not do things. Um, but I just think it's really laziness and poor character. You know, when we preach, mm. we preach with our strengths. When we disciple, we disciple with our strengths. Um, when we do admin, we do admin with our strengths. Our strengths are, they're actually our creative way um, of getting things done. And it'll look different because we lead and engage with our own strengths. Um, our strengths, they're not excuses to not do things because we don't want to do them, like dishes and laundry. We've got to do them. Um, or sometimes we use strengths as a sword to attack other people's strengths. And I actually think we attack people's strengths. It's because we live in a narrative where we see the world as a place and a people to be conquered, which comes with colonizing, um, capitalizing, mm. and criminalizing. Mm. However, the narrative that I choose to live by is seeing the world as a place and a people to be experienced, which I believe it comes with um, awe, wonder, um, being known and cared for, and to share. Um, and I think what stops the attacking of strengths is first um, to accept your strengths. Um, there's a scene in Lord of the Rings where Gladriel is giving up gifts to the hobbits. You know, some gets daggers, and then somehow um, Samwise, he gets a rope. And he sees the rope, mm. and he's like super disappointed. Yeah. And he goes, you know, is, is there another dagger for me? However, little does he know is that this is the most useful tool in their journey. Yeah. Um, and in saying that, we need to accept our strengths and the gifts that we've been given by God. And I get it. Some strengths, they look cooler and better than others. They're more <laughs> celebrated than others. Mm. Um, however, we live in a world where capitalism says we are never enough. And it exploits our um, insecurities and yeah. our weaknesses in, uh, for profit. Mm. Um, so that this creates, comp this creates competition in such a limited resource world. You know, we are enough. Our individual gifts are enough. Our individual strengths are enough. And what we have to offer to God, he takes our bread and fish in order to feed the masses, mm. to create his kingdom here on earth. Yeah. Um, so when we learn to accept our strengths, nurture them, and to flourish them, um, we, we're enough uh, for God to transform the world. Yeah. And the next thing to stop attacking strengths is actually learn to appreciate other people's strengths. I mean, if you feel jealous about someone's strengths, you know, tell them that you appreciate them. I mean, it's a hard thing to do. Um, <laughs> You know, just tell them how you love their strengths. Um, just utter the words, man, you're pretty good at that. Um, you know, jealousy and comparison, honestly, when it takes root, it's actually a waste of time. And when you grow this fruit, it's actually bitter. Mm. Um, and as Jesus says, you know, you'll know my disciples by their fruit. Yeah. And bitterness is not a fruit of the spirit or being a disciple, in my opinion. Oh, I've never um, seen some, some other yeah. disciple can say it's something else. translation, maybe. Yeah. yeah. But that's how we guess we wrestle with the negative comparison, yeah. eh? Accept our strengths, appreciate others. And this is countercultural because um, we're stopping um, attacking people and competing with people, but instead we're going to learn to love people and work together. Right. 
and bro no such thing as typical discipleship strength so mm. there's no such thing um what strength says is that you know we do things differently yes. um in the way we connect with god um there's the spiritual disciples handbook which is one of the best ways to learn read and practice different ways to connect with god yes um or go see a spiritual director should be one in your church um if not um there are zoom spiritual directors with the best in the world um right now this is the world we live in uh, maximize it and actually because of the reformation everyone tossed the baby out with the bathwater and our christian whakapapa has a wealth of tradition regarding spiritual practices that have been developed you know for so, over two thousand years yeah. um go overseas to the papa of our christian whakapapa papa meaning papa tuanuku in the sense in the mm. whenua you know go to the physical place mm. um and you know um for hundreds of years you know people have been praying and doing spiritual practices over there um you know there's and i'm sure there's something in the world um that will enable you to connect with yourself your strengths um with god and because of the reformation you know our spiritual diet especially for those baptists is only meat and three veg go add some spice in your life come on i remember the first time i took a 20 year old pakia to have chinese food that day he realised there was more to life than meat and free veg. <laughs> My friends, there is more to life. There's more spiritual practices. Yeah, there's there's more than meat and free veg to do spiritual practices. Nice. You know, go and taste the different flavours, ingredients and recipes of the spiritual practices. Go figure out what helps you connect with God. And I'll quickly note that I'm not convinced that it's only Clifton strengths um, that would make the church and society better, mm. but it can play a part towards it awesome so what are your thoughts about oh mate these things bro millions millions of things i think uh the metaphor of the tightrope and the playground the whole time you were talking about it we we're talking about education but you could easily put in the word church and discipleship there right mm. so i'm sitting there going what does what does our current discipleship look like being that we educate ourselves in a tightrope mentality um you know in schooling etc and then if we're living in that world, there is no doubt in my mind that that's how we end up doing discipleship. When you talked about um, being afraid to fail, when you talked about um, this one-track mentality, I'm going, yeah, that sounds to me a lot like the discipleship that I've been taught and taught others. I'm, I, I, that's a really strong metaphor. I kind of want to spend a bit of time there, mate, just to talk about it because what does that what does that create? What does the ecosystem of discipleship look like? when a tightrope mentality is a, and not the playground because i've found freedom in um the diversity that you talk about with the playground the um ability to fall sprain your ankle bruise your knee we've all you know hurt ourselves on playgrounds um i love the idea of like you know on a playground there's certain parts that you're scared of mm. that you actually need others to help you to to do like the, the monkey bars for example you have to learn how to uh, uh coordinate yourself but you have to keep practicing and falling you cannot i've never seen a kid learn how to do monkey bars uh straight off the bat and if they have they've probably been an all black or i don't know silver fern or something but um just around that metaphor bro let's 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 stay in that for a bit what do you what do you see in discipleship uh both a critique or even encouragement around this with this metaphor like what do you see what are you seeing what aren't you seeing yeah i guess first for your answer i'd say like especially as disciples we've actually forgotten how to risk for jesus amen and especially in the tightrope setting like there's too much risk is what Mm. i'm saying however in a playground like you talked about there's risk to try things and actually if the playground can be a place where from the age of three where we introduce kids um they'll start risking for jesus and actually learning that if you get hurt um you can build resiliency at the Mm -hmm. end of the day 
But um, going back to how Jesus discipled, um, let's focus on uh, um, Matua Luke's just looking at us. <laughs> All good. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let's hit two famous disciples, Peter and Judas. Um, we'll, we'll go with Judas My first face. because um, often he gets a bad rep, but I love him. Um, so Judas. he's the guy that betrayed Jesus, and like everyone knows that story. However, in the Gospel of Matthew, he actually returns the money. So that tells us that he knew that he could be wrong and that there was repentance, mm. um, that there was a way of actually redeeming himself. But sadly, it was never offered to him and he committed suicide. And yeah, it's a very sad story that actually his motivation wasn't cash money. But instead, even though he knew that he did wrong, he knew that um, he could go back and redeem himself. Right. And that's the playground mentality per se. Um, and going back to Peter, um, he betrayed Jesus as well. Like, let's not separate them. Like, mm. they all betrayed Jesus mm. in the same way. Come on. However, like, um, he was a failure in that mm. sense. However, what he did do was that in John's gospel, um, he reconnected with Jesus and Jesus um, redeemed him. Mm. He goes, you know, um, Peter, do you love me? You know, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, uh, feed my sheep again. And it's quite beautiful that, you know, he said no to Jesus three times. And then there was a redefining moment of him That's saying right. yes to Jesus yeah. again three times. Yeah. So for me, this is what it looks like to risk for Jesus. And if you fail, that there's a place of redemption. There's a place to make things right. And actually, everyone thinks that we're going back to Eden in terms of like the kingdom coming. But actually, we're going from garden to city. To the city. You know, yeah. we're taking our failures with us. Yeah. You reminded me too, Wilson, I was having a conversation with our last guest, Tash, uh, who you know as well, um, after the fact, and I wish we had included it in that one, but it, this is the good point to talk about it. Like so often as a Christian, I've thought, you know, what is it, live your best life, you know, like that God, um, you can't see my hands right now, but I'm tracking from meeting God, knowing God, and then this kind of upward mobility, this upward progress in your life. And it's funny because in scripture, Jesus is very clear when he says, you know, what does it mean to follow me? to pick up your cross, to pick up the execution tool that mm -hmm. I have and come and die with me. That's literally what he says. And I think because of the world around us, we think progress is not just linear, but it's up, it's upward. And mm -hmm. so we think, okay, I get this good life and I'll keep moving upwards. Not knowing that actually that's, that's, it's the counter narrative to that. It's the come with me downwards, downwards into humility, downwards to give up power, downwards to uh, the nitty gritty and to um, live in a way that's counter to the, to the kingdom, uh, sorry, to the kingdom of this world and more the kingdom of um, of God. And I think we get tricked into that with our, um, yeah, just our, the way that we disciple. And um, yeah, I just really wanted to, to say that. I don't know what you think about that. But um, uh, strengths, strengths-based, which is this kind of upward sounding thing. I found, I found that the more I use them and let them be redeemed by the Holy Spirit actually helps me to die with Jesus helps me to for example use my communication which is number one on this podcast but also to, to, to speak the truth in love when other people don't want to for example um, or my includer which man that hurts when uh, you see uh, people not included to actually not just include people that are outside the circle but go and be with them outside the circle mm. uh, when I when I read the gospels and, and hear how Jesus kingdom works so um, that's just some of the, the things there I have for that um, I do have a question based on all this which is what could the church look like what could discipleship look like if we we're more strength-based. Like, what could we actually look like? What could the attributes be? What could the actions flow out of that? 
um, yeah, it's quite an imaginary, imaginative question, an aspirational mm. one, but I'm all about that. Wilson, what do you think? Yeah, I guess um, the whole idea of a podcast is that it's a talk that starts talks. And I hope that, you oh. know, as people listen, like, this starts stirring something within them, um, some ideas about what church could look like, um, or discipleship. Um, but also, the, you, you talked about it's quite a futuristic kind of dreaming kind of question. Um, one thing I'd like to point out is that um, every culture, every civilization, every society, you know, they've got their own ways of figuring out a person's gifts and strengths um, of an individual or a whanau, you know, of how they could serve the collective tribe or village. In an ancient Chinese culture, you know, it was the job of the elders to pay attention um, what drew the curiosity of the child and mm. um, what toys did they play with and spend hours playing and imagining with um, you know what were they actually better doing than other kids um, what household jobs did they run straight to to do right. um, it was out of that our elders figured out the strengths and gifts yeah. and guided the path of a child in order for them to contribute to the wider society and I mean usually you know we observe our children today and we notice what catches their curiosity and their natural strengths I mean, Irai, he loves trucks and he's good at telling stories. <laughs> That's my son. Yeah. Nico, you know, he's so chill and he, um, and he's walking at that, you know, at 11 months, you know. Um, you know, my child, he loves organising his toys, um, you know, or this kid, you know, he loves playing hospital um, yeah. with his dolls or her dolls yeah. and is caring towards other babies. Or this kid loves puzzles and trying to figure out how they work. Um, so these, these are the natural strengths. Mm. Um, but also my culture... Um, countrywide there was um, examinations in ancient times uh, where they were used to climb social ladders but also to figure out the gifts, abilities and strengths of a person to see the best way they can serve their people, the collective and the country. Um, this could be an admin, art, education, architecture, mm. uh, leadership, politics, religion, um, ceremony etc. Um, what I'm trying to say is that before we start this question is that Every culture has a way yeah. of discovering a person's strengths and gifts and saying that, you know, they've got something to offer to the collective. So it's happened before is what I'm saying. Yeah, and cultures have practiced before. And Clifton Strengths, um, it's just the postmodern Western culture of doing this. Um, so it's nothing new, it's nothing mm. mod um, novel. Mm. So as human beings, we've actually done this before. Mm. Um, but what does it look like in our society today? And what would that look like if people... Um, if we would see people as gifts and that every individual um, and their strengths have something beautiful to contribute towards the world. Um, I first would imagine church and society would be a place where individuals and whānau actually, when we think about that, would discover, um, nurture and sharpen their own gifts to offer to the world. Mm. And in my experience, you know, as I've used um, as a coach and as a, as a person who's disciple and walk alongside other people yeah. um, using strength funders I've seen individuals be way more confident in who they are right. um, I've seen individuals who would have purpose in, in their place in the world I've seen individuals with more who become more generous to share their gifts with the world um, this is what society and church could look like um, just imagine that and with exp um, relationships um, individuals you know they've understood themselves way better and they understand why that person is pushing their button and the greater understanding of the other person, mm. um, which creates better and deeper relationships and community. Um, and it means healthier conflict and negotiation skills and, com and, yeah. and communication. Imagine, like, if people actually knew why their button was being pushed mm. uh, for work. 
I think people would love and enjoy and be passionate about their jobs right. um, because they're aware of their strengths and what they can offer to the world. Mm. And actually, I've helped people quit their jobs and risk it to pursue something else in line with their strengths and their God-given callings. Awesome. And for rest, rest is such a big part in our busy world. Um, I think people would learn how to have real rest or deeper rest um, and actually learn how to have fun and play because that's part of rest too. Um, with their strengths, especially in a busy, busy world. I mean, in Auckland we work from nine to five, but actually you have to wake up at six in order to get to work. And when you're back home, it's like seven o'clock. Mm. So how do you how do you maximise that in, in a busy world? Mm. And I hope that society and especially the church um, is the place and people where individuals can actually explore some of these things and practice some of these things and use their strengths. Um, but also, more importantly, as a church. We celebrate people's streams. Um, and if they fail, uh, we journey alongside to learn from failure. Um, and actually, if one fails, we actually all fail. That's the mentality right. Um, right. of a collective culture. Totally. Um, and actually, how do we use their strengths better and um, create better opportunities? Mm-hmm. Because failure is basically a way to learn from experience. Um, but more importantly, mm-hmm. in learning our strengths and gifts, I hope this allows us to truly love God our neighbour, and especially ourselves with who we are. Um, it enables us to see the gifts that we can offer to God's mission. But what do you reckon? Like, What could church and society oh, look well, like mate, to you, bro? Um, so much there. I think, um, yeah, I think that that confidence you talked about, so being able to have people rightly know what they are good at, I think, especially tall poppy syndrome, right? Um this idea of not to stand out. I think some churches uh, in some traditions actively try to buck that, that that tall poppy, and maybe go a bit the other way. But um, I, it's out here and it's hurting us. It's hurting our society, this inability to know what we're good at or, or to see what other people are good at and not be able to compare mm. um, and not to have that insecurity. Um, I think that um, just listening to you when you're talking about... Um, the the one the one person's failure um, affecting all of us you know mm. I always have this this weird image and I don't I know if it's actually true but I always tell people uh, you know happy feet you know the penguins so it's like um, I don't know where I got this from but uh, when you see them all huddled together um, you know that the ones on the outside are colder than the ones on the inside but but they're strong enough for it they're 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 built different um, but you also know that at different times in their life they spent time on the inside probably when they were younger and so uh, you as a collective um, there are different times that you are the one protecting others from mm. the storm. And there's other times that you need to be sheltered by the storm. And in our individualistic uh, capitalist culture like you're talking about, um, that's very hard. And it's interesting to me that the church is called to be countercultural, to be the, the, these people that society look like and go, whoa, look at the way they love each other. Look at the way that they, they're so different to us. This, to me, is one of the biggest ways we can actually be different to the world. We can be a collective that um, that, that, that is caring for each other mm. in a way that allows the strong to be strong for us when the weak are weak, and vice versa. And so I think for me, um, just the idea of being alternative community, um, and an alt community, an alti community. No, that's <laughs> not it. Um, but, you know, so that's kind of my one is that I'm struck listening to you is that the gifts of um, the gospel... Um, it's quite practical and it can have a real practical difference in society uh, if we allowed it to do little things like allow us to be confident uh, allow us to not compare mm. allow us to uh, build on someone's strength and not tear them down and also you don't have that strength mate well I'll come alongside with my strength and I will I will I will bring um, some protection and some help for you there 
and I just think man that's a big need um, from what I'm listening to yeah yeah I think part of that as well like I'll just hit three things or oh, maybe two the first thing I'd say is that we live in a real interesting world where we believe that we're self-made um, that yes. we made ourselves but actually like I've yeah. got a one year old and there's no way he's self-made bro like <laughs> I, I swear, like, if I leave him for half an hour outside, he'll die. Yeah, this know? is true. Yeah, same as me. Um, yeah. So we forget that we're actually created and collective, even though in an individualistic society. Mm. And the second thing as well, like, um, there's a lot of money to be made on people's um, insecurities. And this is what actually creates anxieties, especially when, um, you know, we have reality. This is our reality. This is who we are. This yeah. is what's real. And then what society tells you to be like, right. um, whether that's the Coca-Cola ad or the Nike ad, yeah. um, that's actually a lot to take in. Mm-hmm. And the space in between those worlds, that's anxiety, that's insecurity. Right. Um, yeah. Right. So we, that's kind of how I see that. Yeah. And, and there's and a lot the of gospel money. is supposed to introduce truth and light and life in that, in that space in between, right? Yeah. That alternative. Oh, hard out. Yeah. And that's why I think um, my wife, she's got a tattoo on her on her arm yeah um and it says enough mm. and it's just a reminder that she's enough to god yeah. i don't think people actually know that um they are enough mm. and from the beginning of genesis you know um the two brothers scrap it out because one believes he is not enough yeah or maybe yeah there's a lot of debate you know was it in his yeah. head that he believed it was not enough or did he actually hear god or right. did he misunderstand right. um but at the end of the day he knew that he was not enough Either which way, wasn't it? That comparison was there. Um, all right, Wilson. So last question I have for you is a bit of a a funny one. I don't think people. I don't know if people will pick up from this, but you're quite a funny guy. I think I'm pretty funny myself. So here's a funny one. Um, what? Uh, there are 34 strengths that exist. You could Google them, uh, everybody. Um, <laughs> out of pure speculation, uh, what are the strengths that you think Jesus might have scored in his top five? Ooh, great question. Um. <laughs> Yeah, definitely command. But in all seriousness, um, <laughs> great question. <laughs> um, everyone has 34 strengths. Everyone has them. Um, but in different order. And we only use our top 10 or 12. Um, yeah. So every season in your life, your top 10 and 12, they can rearrange order. Um, but according to me, um, every social circle you walk into um, and every context we walk into, we all wear different hats, meaning mm. our top, you know, 10 to 12 it can rearrange mm. um, so yeah depending on the context um, you know good, good answer <laughs> if I'm talking to a young person or to my wife you know it's a different sort of strengths like yeah. different I'll use different strengths when I'm on holiday with my best friend or when I'm cooking um, different strengths will shine mm. um, when I'm driving or when I'm preaching different strengths mm. again um, when I'm a teacher or when I'm a student you know different strengths again when I'm in the Māori space Chinese space or Pākehā space mm. different strengths again and our strengths, you know, they rearrange um, up or down. So just imagine our top 10 to 12 strengths. Um, they're kind of like playing cards in our hand. And we choose, you know, to play what cards is needed in that situation. Right. Or like context. Yu-Gi-Oh! Or Pokemon. Yeah, bro. Yeah, good times. Uh, or Bastard or Scum. <laughs> oh, you too, you. Yeah, so Jesus' top five, depending on the context. You know, is he talking to the disciples or the Pharisees? Nice. Is he doing a miracle um, or telling a parable? Is he engaging with those who are exploited? Um, by power or is he on the cross um, is he in the wilderness or having communion um, is he teaching on the mountain or is he on a boat um, you can make a case for every strength but out of pure um, speculation 
I think it would have command, uh, significance, connectedness, communication, and relator. Great, um, I've got two of those, so I'm good. I'm really close to Jesus. This is great. Yeah. Love it. What do you reckon would um, Jesus be? Well, I mean, obviously the top five I have, but that's beyond the point. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to flip that around on you. Mate, that draws us to the end. Is there anything you want to say before we do finish? Oh, bro, uh, thanks for having me on this um, conversation, and hopefully this actually helps your kaupapa. Um, and just to be clear... Um, you don't need to have strength finders in order to follow Jesus. Um, however, it does give you a language for your gifts and your strengths. And if you're a parent, auntie, uncle, grandparent, um, strength finders is a great gift for teenagers or young adults. Mm. Um, this shows that you're interested in them and helping them discover their gifts um, and what they can offer to the world. And imagine having a family, you know, that runs with strengths. Yeah. And I know that there's a dark side of strength finders too, mm. um, especially with the assessment and the coaching. It's pretty expensive. Yeah. And especially if you're a young person or trying to make you know, ends meet, you know, I understand. I see you. Yeah. Um, you know, money should never, ever stop anyone um, from learning your strengths. Mm. Um, and let's be honest, strength coaches get paid good money. And it's often, you know, it's a job. If, often if it's a job if I don't want to do, I just add a few extra zeros. So ask them for a freebie or a discount um, or an IOU or a koha yeah, or an exchange not? of gifts. Um, my biggest problem with strength finders is that where it feels like sometimes it's only the rich that can access it. And if you don't have the money, you'll miss out. Um, whereas the gospel, it is good news for the poor. So if you're a Christian strength finders coach listening, you know, who is your God um, you serve? Is it neoliberal capitalism or is it Jesus? So here's the challenge to strength finders coaches, especially Christian ones. Will you respond to the gospel like the rich young ruler? Or will you respond like um, Zacchaeus? Now, it wouldn't be uh, caught at all with my friend Wilson without ending on a challenge. So let's end here. Thank you very much, uh, my brother, for being with us. And stay tuned for the next episode to everybody out there. Kia ora, cha. We really hope that you enjoyed this podcast and it's our hope that you would interact with the content that's being put out there. After every episode, if you have questions, questions about the episode, questions about discipleship, questions about where are the best pies, nah, just kidding. Uh, but any questions, especially those that you've never been able to ask out loud or uh, in the context that you are in, ask those questions. Head over to Discipleship Aotearoa on Instagram where there you can ask questions on the story highlight or if you're game, you can record yourself asking a question and tagging us, Discipleship Aotearoa. We will play it back. And in episode 5 specifically, we will be answering your questions, which is going to be really awkward by the way if no one actually sends me anything. Yeah, really. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and hope to see you again soon. Chat. Shameless self-promotion time. If you enjoyed this episode and this podcast, then maybe you or someone you might know will be interested in Intermission. Intermission is a one-year formational discipleship experience. It's the chance for you to stop and explore the possibilities, to ask questions, to seek answers, to learn and to experience what it means to have a faith that stands and a life that makes a difference in work, in ministry, and in mission. If you want to know more, go to the Kerry Baptist College website, 
kerry.ac.nz.